very best on Easter. And our challenge this year was you as a family. It, it, we, you, people always ask me, well, what's an appropriate gift for that and those things? So our challenge was this. Think about you as a family and, and what God was putting in our challenge this year when we talked about it was one week's salary, right? Now, that's not equal money per family. That's just equal sacrifice. And so we were thinking about that. And um, so there's a lot to look forward to that. We're going to have a wheelbarrow up here with some asphalt in it next Sunday with a big old five-gallon bucket. And we're actually going to encourage you to come and bring your offering. And we ask you to think about bringing it either in a cash or check so we can avoid some of these fees from uh, PushPay. But if PushPay is your preferred way of giving and you want to give to the building fund, please do so. Amen. Um, And uh, we're looking forward to paving this parking lot. Amen. And wouldn't it be nice if it could happen before Mother's Day? We'll see, t- we'll see next Sunday. Come on, somebody. Right? So uh, those are wonderful things to look forward to. Uh, next Sunday, obviously, we're having a sunrise service at 7 a.m. And Tyler Carpenter is going to be bringing the message there. And so that's an incredible gift. We're ready. We're ready for Mr. Ty to bring the word. And uh, he's been waiting two years to do this. So uh, he's itching. Now, right after that service is closed, it could be 745. It's according if Tyler goes to 9 a.m. I don't know how long Tyler's going to preach. He might be long-winded. Right as soon as that's over, we're going to have a breakfast. So I can't tell you when the breakfast is going to start. So if you want to have breakfast with us, you need to come to... Listen to Tyler preach, amen? And uh, that'll be good. And uh, uh, we're going to have some overflow on Sunday. So we want you to be prepared, okay? Uh, We're going to set the foyer up for overflow. We're going to set the upstairs up for overflow. We're going to have some parking attendants to help us park tight and get ready. So we're anticipating, amen, to see all of you and your family. And uh, it's going to be an incredible, incredible Sunday to celebrate the goodness of the Lord, amen? So look forward to those things. So good. Hey, um, I got another major announcement. And uh, this morning, uh, I was surprised. Um, um, And they they all didn't know that I was going to mention them in the sermon today anyway. Uh, Malin and TC, and of course TC and Sarah, and and Malin and Brian. But... um, um, it's, they surprised us by coming because it's my birthday. So uh, Kalamazoo allowed them uh, the Sunday off to come and be with us. So let's thank Kalamazoo for that, right? Thank you, Kalamazoo. Now, Brian and Malin, uh, originally with Gabe and Rita... Uh, Taylor uh, and a plant team of about 35 or 40 people or so uh, over six years ago went to Kalamazoo. And in that time, it's been an incredible journey. God's done a lot of things and and it's taught us a lot about church planting. Hello, somebody. And uh, we learned some things not to do. Amen. And we learned some things to do. And we've been taking good notes and working through that, wrestling with all those things as a leadership team. But originally, uh, Gabe and Rita and Brian and Malin were set to just be there for two years. And our goal is to turn it over to a main leadership team there and, and, and come and re- come back home and uh, rest for a little bit. And then repeat that cycle sometime in the future as the Lord led. So it's been over six years now. And uh, the Sneeds and the Taylors and uh, a few others have still been faithful. Come on, let's give them hands for that. But we feel now is the time uh, for the Sneeds to come back home. And so their last Sunday in Kalamazoo will be the last Sunday of May. Their first Sunday back home here in Centerville will be the first Sunday of June, right? Yeah, somewhere in there. So let's give God a hand, right? Um, Faithfulness is playing out and coming back home. We get to celebrate all those things. So I can tell you that today because they made that announcement last week in Kalamazoo and the church is just celebrating uh, faithfulness and, and journey and those things. So, so good to, to think about that. Now, I have no idea what the rest of the day plans. So I don't know if I'll be here at seven to watch the kids. Okay, all right. All right, so turn with me uh, at Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. I, I want to just, I mean, today is a day to celebrate unapologetically. Right? And, uh, and uh, my wife's like, are you sweating? And I was like, yeah, a little bit. Like, uh, seeing all my kids on the front row makes me nervous. Uh, um, the pre-workout had nothing to do with it, I promise. But today is a day to celebrate. For, for believers, it's an incredible day. 
The triumphal entry is something that is amazing. And when we have, when we have set this theme that against all odds, he stepped in. There's no greater picture than Jesus stepping in than the picture in the Gospels of the triumphal entry. No greater picture whatsoever. Watch this. In Mark chapter 11, verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you. And immediately as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it. Bring it. If anyone says, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it. And we'll send it back immediately. Y'all ever remember that Easter sermon that I preached titled, That's My Donkey? Mm. What this guy must have been imagining as he saw this parade happening and Jesus riding on his donkey. And the crowd crying, Hosanna. Hosanna. Hmm. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street. And they untied it. And some of those standing there said to him, What are you doing untying the colt? And they said to them what Jesus had said. And they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road. And others spread their leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They are pointing at Jesus as he's coming. Blessed is he who's, who comes. In other words, here he comes. He's coming presently, right now. There he is, present right now. And then they said, Blessed is the coming kingdom He's bringing with him the kingdom. He's coming now. So our future is secure. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. And they looked around at everything as it was already late. And he went to Bethany with the twelve. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of the word. Bless it to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... One of my favorite times of year to preach sermons is Easter. Um, and, and I say this every year. And it's because we, I didn't have the benefit of growing up in church. So I, I, there's a picture in mine in my wife's house of us standing next to each other. And then another picture with uh, Malin. She about this tall then. She about this tall now. But she about this tall then. <laughs> Not everybody has a Smurf. <laughs> Love you. Uh, and that picture, we got, we got married in April, right? And we got saved in September. But our very first Easter as Christians was 1993. And that picture was taken as we went to a sunrise service, not at our church, but at a Baptist church in town because it was the church that hosted the sunrise service for all the churches in the area. I got dreams. That picture stays on our, it's right there on a the shelf. And uh, I was a little thinner then and I had a whole lot more hair. Easter is an incredible time for me as a believer. Because God's great mercy, against all odds, became a transforming reality in my life. Think about this. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The very things we celebrate at what we call Easter invites us to live differently in our present life so that our future looks like God, what God wants it to look like. 
And, and, and we're to be living sacrifices. Hello, somebody. Not conforming to the pattern of this world, but living sacrifices. Think about this. It's not easy to be a living sacrifice. Because a living sacrifice is always tempted to crawl back off the altar. See, you you don't put a sacrifice on an altar until you first build a fire on that altar. A living sacrifice is always tempted to crawl off that altar because the fire is there. And listen, we, can't, we can lay our lives on the altar on Sunday, but if we crawl off on Friday at the bar, it's impossible to stay on the altar and not be changed. Why? Because fire changes everything. But it's also impossible to be, to, to be changed if you don't stay on the altar. That's why most people don't experience change in their life. Because they don't want to stay on the altar as a living sacrifice. When Jesus laid his life down as a sacrifice, church, not only did he not crawl off the altar, but he crawled on the cross willingly. And as those Roman soldiers wrestled with those thieves to hold their arms outstretched and they fought all they could and, and they nailed those, those, they fought against having their hands and arms and feet nailed to that cross. Jesus laid himself willingly on the cross and didn't fight them as they drove those spikes in. When we were kids, we all played this game called Simon Says. Hello, somebody. It's a test of your willingness to listen, isn't it? Think about this. It's a test because we've all been given our own will. We, we've, we've all been given our own conscience. We've all been given our own desires, right? We've all been given those things. And as we live this life, every day we make thousands of decisions. Hello, church. We make thousands and thousands of decisions, weighing out options every day to choose what we think is best. And the reason we fail at Simon Says is because we don't listen. See, when we find ourselves being obedient to voices around us that don't have our best interest in mind, that's when struggle happens. But God's love gives us another option. Come on, church. And that is to listen to His voice. And I believe that Palm Sunday speaks to the struggle. It speaks to the struggle with the present. Verse 9 is very important in in this passage of Scripture in in the sense that today is a triumphal entry. But I want you to pay attention to the things that are are incredibly important and and poignant to our, our journey. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Those, there, those who went before are pointing back. Here he is. Those who are behind are pointing forward. There he is. It, it, they're, they're speaking of a present moment. And you need to understand that this parade is happening not because it's scheduled... Not because it was on some kind of calendar and everybody knows that you're supposed to be at this point. Bring your lawn chair and sit there because the fire trucks are going to go by. Amen. The police sirens are going to go by. And all the old farm tractors are going to go by. And and people are going to throw candy. And all the clubs are going to go by. You know how those parades work. On 4th July, we used to go to the Schoolcraft Parade, which I understand is canceled again this year. That thing's like two and a half hours long. 
anybody who's anybody or has an old something is in the parade. This ain't on nobody's calendar. Yet everyone in is responding. Everyone is showing up. What is this? What is happening? And this, this crowd grows bigger and bigger and bigger and louder and louder and louder as people join in the chorus and join in. The, what if we just stuck speakers out on the front awning out there during worship and just turned it up as loud and it just all over the city? Hosanna, 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 come on somebody, Hosanna, we're here to praise him and we want everybody to know we're here to praise him and we want to praise him so loud that it's so contagious that everybody gets involved and everybody understands, listen, this wasn't announced, this one, look at this parade that's happening, here it is, it's speaking to our present and Jesus is here now, he's here now. We heard about him. We heard him traveling and doing miracles. I haven't had a chance to see him yet, but there he is. How do I know? Because people are pointing to him. There he is. He's here now. Can I say this to us, church? Our choices in our life, our choices in our life reveal who reigns in our life. The crowd that day had a choice. Got time for this. Did anybody pull a permit for this parade? Somebody needs to call the town council. There's too much noise going around here. They had a choice. And they made it. See, our lives are made up of decisions, aren't they? And those decisions, you know what they are? They're litmus tests. Mm -hmm. On whom our allegiance is to. Look back on past decisions. When you look at your past decisions, who would you conclude is in charge? How many of those past decisions are, are, are results of a being obedient to God? How, how, how many of those choices were a result of being obedient to a sinful desire and the voice of the world? How many of those choices do this to us think about these choices they weigh us down they slow us down they cause us struggle they make us get tired earlier than we should they wear us out sooner than we should wear out they cause us grief they cause things on your body to hurt that shouldn't hurt. And, it, and it's not enough sometimes that we carry one. Then we want to drag some. We make choices. And those choices dictate who's in charge in our life. And they pull on us, and they drag at us, and they weigh us down. Come on, church. It's brutal. But because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, because we are celebrating a season that against all odds, he's stepping in. Life has to be seen through the lens of Jesus stepping in. Romans chapter 12, Paul says, I appeal to you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship, your reasonable act. Through Easter, God wants to change the way you view your life. Y'all not helping me. God wants to reorient the way you see your present situation. Because see, here's what happens. Y'all missed Brenda's word. Brenda's word says Jesus has already won the battles. We can't even fight. Oh, 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 oh. y'all didn't hear it. Paul says, in view of God's mercies. View it different. See what you're going through differently. Look through the lens of the mercy of God. 
just this one thing could change your life. How many of us walk around grumbling and complaining over our present situation that is a result of decisions that we have made? I wish God would remove these chains from me. Why won't God do a miracle for me? And because I'm struggling with these decisions and I'm struggling with this wrestling and I wonder why God's not involved. Then all of a sudden what happens to us is we get so desperate. We get so tired that the spirit of suicide. I can't take the weight anymore. Paul says, I need you to see things differently through the lens of the mercy of God. God has been so merciful to me and you, church. Uh, He sent his one and only son to die for us, to step in for us. Uh, Because of his mercy, church, uh, he has offered a fresh start of repentance. Because of the mercy, he loves us unconditionally. Because of his mercy, God wants more of our focus to be on what he's done instead of what we want him to do. God wants more of our focus to be on what he's already done. God has already won. God has already broken the chains that you refuse to let go. God has already cast them off. And there's no need for you to tote them anymore. Because God has set you free. Why tote what God has delivered you from? sunsets free it's free indeed when you're tempted to carry a chain you need to prophesy to yourself negative I'm a free man in God I'm delivered by his power I don't have to carry that chain no more I'm talking about Palm Sunday The chains have already been broken because he stepped in. And I speak to that spirit of suicide who may be in this room this morning. Get out in Jesus' name. Get out in Jesus' name. God has promised us life and life more abundant. My life belongs to God. It's paid. It's not my own. Easter is God's way of drawing our attention to the mercy of God. And it compels us to live our lives as a living sacrifice. Sacrifice involves something dying. It's not a sacrifice if something doesn't die. That's why Jesus is considered the ultimate price, the ultimate sacrifice. So Paul is using this idea. He's using this. Look at even the psalmist says in Psalms 51, 16. For you will not, you will not delight in sacrifice. Or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise that. You're carrying burdens today because you think you owe God penance. It's not about the sacrifice itself. It's about the heart behind the sacrifice. Paul calls us living sacrifices. That's actually more difficult. It's more difficult to be a living sacrifice than it is to be a dead one. See, a dead sacrifice doesn't have any choice in the matter. It can stay on the altar. But a living sacrifice has to crawl back on when it's tempted to crawl off. In view of God's mercy... Be a living sacrifice. Live a life right now in the present under the rule and reign of Jesus. Be repentant and obedient to God. Why? Because Jesus is not a God of tomorrow way off out yonder. Amen. That we're hoping comes one day. He is the reigning ruling king that rode in on the triumphal entry. Amen. Declaring himself as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's already come to be our king. 
And Romans chapter 12, verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and that by the testing you may discern what is that perfect and good will, acceptable and perfect good will of God. The world around us has a pattern that leads us to a broken life. Somebody say amen. These patterns are easy to fall into. And so changing your pattern means changing your life. You're not going to change your life if you don't change your pattern. Right. You can't go where you used to go. You can't do what you used to do. You can't talk like you used to talk or hang out with the people you used to hang out with if you want to be someone you didn't used to be. Yeah. The problem is the church is still trying to be who we used to be while trying to get our ticket punched to go to glory. That's why there's no power in our services. That's why nobody's getting convicted of sin. That's why if the preacher preaches on sin, if he talks about hell, amen, if he looks at us and and says we better get right or we're going to get left, somebody's going to get mad. But in the view of God's mercy, we got to talk about these things. Do you know that the Western World Church is the only organization on planet Earth that doesn't require its members to change? We we live on the doctrine of come as you are. We exclude. (laughs) Leave different than you came. Nobody ever came into the presence of Jesus and left the same as they came. Some left sad, some left happy. Some left healed, some left delivered. Some came and didn't, couldn't walk or move. They left jumping and leaping. Y'all not hearing me today. Amen, I'm, I'm telling you. When we understand God's mercy for us, we find a reason that to transform our, our lives and renew our minds. Maybe, maybe you've developed this pattern of talking down to yourself when you make a mistake. Now, you know what I do? That always leads to depression and anxiety. That always leads to anxiousness. and the, You know, you're your worst enemy sometime. Break that pattern. Don't conform to it anymore. Listen, I am a man of God. And that's what I need to say sometimes when I'm at my lowest. When nobody else will tell me that you're a man of God. You're a son of the king. Maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I I failed in some way or form. And all I want to do is say, look at me. Every time I try, why do I even try? I can't do it. I always fail. You know what I need to do? David said, listen, why so downcast myself? He's preaching to himself. Put your hope in God. Put your faith in God. I got You know what you are, Doug? You're a man of God. Amen. You're a man. Eddie, you're a man of God. Brenda, you're a man of God. Somebody's got to tell us, amen. Hey, you know what you are? You're a woman of God. Amen. That's what you are. Sometimes we got to tell ourselves. That sometimes won't nobody else preach the gospel to you but you. My wife's caught me before looking in the mirror preaching. What you doing? Somebody's got to tell me to get right. I'm telling you. Maybe you notice this pattern of telling lies. And it always leads to more lies. And deceptive lifestyle. Don't conform to that anymore. Speak the truth. Maybe you've seen a pattern of laziness in your life. And all it does is produce a spirit of apathy. I say in the view of God's mercy, don't continue in that pattern. Break that experience into a new life. I want you to trade your will for God's will. The ultimate outcome of a sacrificial life is a renewed mind. And the ability to distinguish between the will of God and your will. How many of us in the room today have ever struggled with wondering what decision to make about this thing or that decision? Come on. I don't even know what to do. God, what do you want me to do? I don't even know what to do. I don't know what to do. The best way to know the will of God is by trading our own will and creating that pattern in our life. Not my will, but yours be done, Lord. Not my will, but yours be done, Lord. Not my will, but yours be done, Lord. What, what if we were to trade the time and energy spent on old patterns and created new patterns with better outcomes? What 
What if we changed, changed prayerless hours into prayer time? What if we, what if we, what if we traded reruns of Bonanza for reruns of Mark chapter 11? Let me just tell you about reruns of Bonanza. You don't ever have to watch another episode. The beginning of the movie, some skirt is going to show up. Some lady. And she's going to fall in love with one of them Cartwright boys. And by the end of the show, she's going to be dead. <laughs> That's, there you go. Every episode. How many Star Trek fans? I know, come on, you can admit it. It's all right. You know the red shirt? The red shirt always dies. Right? As soon as you start a Star Trek episode, you see the guy in the red shirt? Yeah, he's going to be dead by the end of the show. Yeah, see, the, the girl falls in love with the Cartwright boy. She's going to be dead. She's just a red shirt. What about Mark chapter 11? I already read that. Do you know how many times a rerun of the Andy Griffith will show up? And my wife will say, how many times have you watched this episode? And I said, I don't care. Watch Barney. This is hilarious. <laughs> what about reruns of Mark chapter 11? The king has come. Right now. He's here now. The promise of God will lead us to show his will for our lives and his leadership in our lives. Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make straight your paths. See, when we trust in the Lord, we'll begin to see straight paths laid out before us. The most difficult thing that I've had to do in my life and the thing that I think I've failed the most at and, and the thing I can write the grace of God over is being a parent. I love my kids and I couldn't be more blessed that they're all here today and a little intimidated by it. They, they know me like y'all don't. And we've had our fair share of struggles and difficulties along the way. And you know what I realized about that? It's because my kids had a will of their own. And that sometimes their will was in direct conflict with my will for them. And the most difficult thing I found to teach them was that they could trust me. I can't tell you how many times I've said this line to both my daughter and my son. Those people aren't your friend. You cannot trust them. <laughs> you want me to prove it to you? Here you are in all this pain and struggle and where they at? Nowhere to be found. But guess who's standing here? I didn't always do it right. When I said something to correct them, I had no maliciousness. All I was doing was the best I could to love them. Trust is a hard thing to teach. It's even a harder thing to learn. But if you're going to live a life full of God and what God has for us, we have got to learn to trust Him and let His love reign in our lives over our present right now where we're at. He came riding as the King of Kings that very same day. There He is. Your present belongs to God and His sovereignty as much as your yesterday did and all your tomorrows will. Tweet that one. That's not in my notes. We've got to get there. And Easter brings us to that point. That there he is. He is here now. He's not. I don't have to wait. I don't have to carry those burdens anymore. He's here now. I don't have to struggle through this anymore. He is here now. That very same day. He's riding in now as the king of kings. And against all odds. You know what that does? It lets his love reign over our future. 
Too many people that I talk to every day are worried, paralyzed with anxiety and fear about what tomorrow might hold. Example. This is how desperate we are about the future. I ain't going to look at it. You know why I don't have to look at that? Because God's already spoken. (laughs) This thing, let's not give it more power than it has. But there are too many people walking around with eight ball faith. About their future. Instead of king of kings faith. Now when I was in school. I had a crush on a girl. And that's this thing. You think she likes me? Don't count on it. I'd ask this thing, how are my grades going to turn out? Let's don't talk about it now. <laughs> What's my future career going to be? Ask me again later. <laughs> this little toy that actually came out in 1950 is a telltale sign that people are desperate about the future. And the devil has used this stuff. Oh, I don't look at that, Pastor Don. But I see Christians posting the horoscope on Facebook. To which I always look at it and go, why on earth would a believer consult the stars about their future when they can consult the one who hung the stars? a reason it's called a horoscope. You read that thing, you're going to be terrified. (laughs) Yet you know what we do? We shake them and we buy the next paper. We subscribe. You don't have to buy the paper now, so I'm sure there's an app for that. Glory to God. We all wonder what the future might hold for us and we're so desperate about what it is that we would actually believe this stupid thing. Sometimes our current situation is so painful, we just want to get to the other side of it. Sometimes we're so excited about the possibilities of the future. I I, I just get a little kick out of Breno. This poor boy has waited all his life for a wife. He's old. But every day, all I hear about, man, I just, uh, I just wish August would get here. <laughs> I said, I tried to tell you to do it in March. You wouldn't listen to me. August is so far away. I'm so excited about the future. I want you to take a piece of paper, anything you got close to you right now, real quick. And I want you to write down one worry in your life about the future. Right now, right now, right now. Right now, take out a piece of paper, write down one worry that you have about the future. Right now, just write it down and, and, and put it next to you. Hold on to it. I'm going to be back to it in a minute. Just put it right there, right there next to you. Now, Palm Sunday, as you're writing about one worry you have for the future. I don't care what it is. It don't matter. Palm Sunday in verse 11. He's bringing a future kingdom. And he entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He's bringing a future kingdom. He entered Jerusalem and he went to the temple. Jesus is riding down a street 
There ain't no fire trucks. There ain't no ambulance. There ain't no sirens or horns. There ain't any of this stuff to announce to everybody. A parade is happening. None of that is going on. But because Jesus is entering, there's such a stir. The power of God, is, and the King is coming. There's such a stir. And people are looking at Jesus. And you know what? He's looking right back at them. God sees you. Come on, church. By riding in as a conquering king... Jesus is reminding us of our incredible worth. Jesus is not trying to pillar or or plunder, I should say, the kingdom of darkness to gain wealth. Let Let me help you out. He owns it all anyway. Jesus is coming as the conquering king to win the real treasure. His people... That's you and I. Our future is in good hands when our future is under God's control. Can you say amen? And see, we've got to trade what we don't know about the future for what we do know. And here's what you do know. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. Jesus is sovereign. He's riding in as the King of kings, bringing the future kingdom of God. That's what I do know. That's what I do know. Worthy. Word, listen. Worry all you want to, it's not going to add a day to your life. As a matter of fact, it might take a little bit off. I, 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 I like listening to talk radio. But lately, when I listen to it, you know what I feel? Anxious. I get all bothered. Stirred at the stupidity. Of brokenness. And the way brokenness wants to think. We, we out there looking for life on Mars while we deny life exists in the womb. I got, I can't. I can't shake it. The same people that want me to believe that there's life on Mars. Also convince me. That a baby in the womb isn't alive. These people need Jesus. Their mind ain't right. Politics. They're all crooks. You tell me. How a man who makes $175,000 a year, and that be his only source of income, Democrat or Republican, Libertarian or... Can take that salary and in 10 years be multi-millionaires. I don't believe none of them. They all... He's trying to take Thelma Lou out on a date. This guy... I can't, I have to turn it off. It's too much for me to handle. I started feeling anxious. And it seems so out of control. Anxious about the future. Anxious what's going on. I had to turn off the radio to feel normal again. See, Easter reminds me that God sees me. God sees you. God sees where I'm at. And against all odds, because he stepped in, God has a preferred future that he longs for you and I to live in, for you and I to walk in. We experience it when we begin to let go of trying to control everything. And we start submitting to him and following his lead. Oh, church. How how do I know, Pastor Don? How do I know about God's future plan for me? What is right? Well, I'm glad you asked. Three simple questions. It's from an old country boy, third degree redneck. It's not complicated. (laughs) How do I know if God's leading my life? Number one, does this opportunity align with Scripture? If it violates this word, it's not of God. Number two, 
with this opportunity make me more like Jesus? Anything in your life that doesn't transform you into more of the image of Jesus, you need to get rid of it. It's, 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 a weak, it's something God does not have for you. Number three, will this opportunity benefit other people? Mark Twain made this statement. You ready? The two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Your future, church, is tied to your purpose and to God's plan. You got to seek God's kingdom. Please don't miss the fact that in the triumphal entry, Jesus didn't go to the palace. He didn't go to the seat of government. He didn't go down to the Better Business Bureau. He didn't go down to the town council meeting. He didn't go to anybody in authority to affirm who he was. He didn't ask for permission because he didn't need their permission. I need you to understand that on the triumphal entry, you know where Jesus went? Straight to church. He gives us a way to ensure that our future falls in line with his will for our lives. It's about priority. It's about priority. Some of us have our priorities and focused on wrong things because we're nervous about the future. Some of us have been living in eight-ball faith. Living to see the kingdom of God come to earth should be the defining aspect of every person's life. I said living to see the kingdom of God come to earth should be the defining aspect of our lives. Everything I do spiritually, everything I do physically, everything I do emotionally, everything I do financially should be my investment in seeing the kingdom of God come to earth. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Wait, 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 wait. I don't have to wait to get to heaven? He said, when you pray, pray like this. On earth. Do you understand that Jesus doing miracles, Jesus performing all kind of activity, Jesus healing the blind and causing the deaf to hear and the mute to speak and the lame to walk, Jesus doing all of these things. He speaks to John when John says, is it really him? And he said, you go tell John that the deaf hear and the blind see and he will know that the kingdom is now. And when you know the kingdom is now, you don't have to worry about the kingdom in the future. We're so focused on social media. Help us. Seek first. Seek first. Seek first. And then when you find that new relationship, they're more than likely to be the person God was calling you to wait for to start with. Seek first. And we'll live with humility and we'll become greater than we ever were before. Seek first. And our wants and desires will be more like God. And more of God's power will flow through us because more of who God is is impacting the earth. I'm encouraging us on this Palm Sunday. To begin to use our time wisely. Every, every person in this room is appointed a day. The Bible, it's right there. Every man is appointed a day. And after that, the judgment. It, it says it, it's clear. It's, it's appointed unto every man. Every one of us has an expiration date on this earth. So that means every day is precious. Every day is valuable. Everything I do every day is precious. 
And if I only have so many days, hello somebody. Psalmist in Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days so we may get a heart of wisdom. Every one of us knows that when we have access or uh, uh, extra, we usually don't live wisely. Because we can live lazy. Teach us to number our days. That's why you don't have excess days. I don't know when that day will be. Today I'm 49. Tomorrow I might be in heaven. I don't know. The one thing I do know is God is sovereign. And that when I stand before him, I want to tell him that the last day I had on this earth, I was praising you, Jesus. I was living for you, Lord. I was telling somebody about you. I was trying to figure out how to win some soul. I was trying, I was trying my hardest. Not that, that God wants me to do that to earn my way in heaven, because that's not it. But see, most of the Western world church is praying, Lord, come quickly. Because we just want out. Raptor practice. What if we did this? Lord, I got one more. Can you give me one more day? Give me one more day. Give me one more day. Because I got one more. There's a survey some years ago that uh, pushed out some astonishing information about how people spend their lives. In an average lifetime, an American will spend six months sitting at a red light. Come on, every one of us has got that one red light that no matter when, it's going to turn red. Don't you got one? You're like, I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what time of the day. It doesn't matter what time of the night. It don't matter. It just, if I come close to this red, boop. The average American, now y'all know this to be true, will spend at least eight months of their life opening junk mail. I have, I've got a new game with my wife's little black schnauzer. This little dog, Fiona, she's crazy in the head. So she fits right in. We go to the mailbox every day. She, follows, she looks so forward to this every day. And I pull the mail out and I find the junk mail. And I wave it around and shake it at her. And, and I get, she takes it and boom, she takes off. She carries the mail to the house. The junk mail. Because I ain't going to, oh, it's got slobbered. You know, by the time she gets there, it's drooled through. I'm not opening that mail. Now, see, the, the check that came in, I ain't giving that to the dog. No, no. Sorry about you. We didn't get no mail today. Sorry about junk mail. Eight months of my life. <laughs> The average American will spend at least one year looking for misplaced objects. My wife and I had this conversation yesterday. We, we're getting ready to go on a turkey hunt here in April. I can't wait. And um, first time going out west to do a turkey hunt. Love it. Can't wait. So my, I'm starting to, I'm looking for turkeys everywhere I drive now, right? Just trying to hone my eyes to see in turkeys. And so I, I saw some turkeys and some deer yesterday. Now the deer blend right in with the woods, man. They were way off across the field. My wife and I are driving. And I said, look, those deer and turkey. And she was like, where? So I slowed down and way crossed over there. She was like, how on earth? This is literally what she said. Can you not find the mustard in the refrigerator? <laughs> The average American spends two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls. The average American spends four years doing housework. 
The average American spends five years waiting in line in Walmart beside, behind someone who's still handwriting a check. The average American spends six years of their life eating. If I got uh, Lynette's Strawberry Delight and Norma, Norma Schwartz's German chocolate cake, it could be eight years. I, I'm good with that. I'm all right. <laughs> Listen to me, church. As you live your life, as you think about your time, the places and the energy that you're investing who you are, the only thing that will matter in 100 years was our relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to use our future to ensure that as many people experience who God is presently. He's here and he's bringing a future kingdom. Don't you see him? Hosanna. See, our whole life should declare and cry, Hosanna, he's here. Hosanna, he's here. Don't you see him? Hosanna, there he is. He's there. He's coming in the kingdom of God. It's, come on, do you see it? It's happening right here. Come on, join the parade. Come on, join with us. It's a triumphal entry. Look at him coming in. He's riding like a conquering king. Come on, somebody. Living wisely means realizing that we have so few days. Take that piece of paper out. Flip it over to the opposite side where you didn't write a worry down. And I want you to write this on that piece of paper. Against all odds. He stepped in! I did. You won't do it. But you'll sure do this. Stop it. Write it on the paper. Against all odds. Whatever it is you worried about the future. Against all odds, he stepped in. Come on, against all odds, he stepped in. Right? Against all odds, during Easter, I get to see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords riding in, not to Jerusalem, into my life. Will you stand with me? Some of you need to drag some chains to this altar and be free today. leave here carrying what you ought not carry under a burden you ought not be under don't leave here carrying a chain that declares Jesus' work wasn't enough for my burden don't leave here with an eight ball faith leave here knowing the king of kings has rode in and released my burden and secured my future father in the name of Jesus Father, in the name of Jesus, right now in this place, God, we glorify you. We thank you, God, for your triumphal entry. You entered in. Yes, Jesus, you did. Yes, Jesus, you did. And your love reigns. You are presently king. And you are bringing in a future kingdom. If you want to come to the altar, I want you to move right now. Just come right now. Just come.
to crawl off the altar. Change us by your fire, God. Let our lives be renewed by the power of your resurrection and the promise of your empty tomb, God. Jesus, do what only you can do in our hearts and lives. And God, I pray for us as a church. I pray for us right now, God, this week, this last week, that the week the world calls Holy Week. We prepare our hearts, God, for Easter for the empty tomb. Father, we want you to stir the hearts and lives of all of those, God, that you have been calling. And God, we ask them that on that morning, God, for that time, God, that you would draw them from the north, the south, the east, and the west of this place, God, that they might give their heart and life to you on Easter Sunday morning. God, we put our faith in you. And we're believing, God, for a harvest. You died to save souls. And so, Lord, we anticipate it in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Turn around and tell someone.